Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Fighting the Long Defeat, Dark Struggles and Divine Blessings. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, October 17, 2010. Jacob was a man on the run. He had his reasons. Chronic dysfunctions and deep hostilities characterized Jacob's family history. Because his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, played favorites, he and his fraternal twin Esau hated each other. Jacob also swindled Esau out of his family birthright, which would have entitled him to a double share of the family inheritance. Later, he and his mother lied to swindle the family blessing from his blind and dying father. When Esau threatened to murder him, Jacob fled to his uncle Laban in Haran, the very place his grandfather Abraham had departed. There he married his cousins, Rachel and Leah, and fathered thirteen children with them and his two slaves, Zilpah and Billah. Sick of his father-in-law's manipulations, Jacob fled Laban, only to encounter his long-lost and embittered brother Esau. The consummate deal-maker, Jacob concocted a bribe and sent a caravan of gifts along with his women and children across the river Jabbok. Perhaps that would pacify his brother's murderous threats. Physically exhausted and deeply anxious, Alone in the desolate wilderness, shorn of all his worldly possessions, at long last powerless to control his fate, Jacob collapsed into a deep sleep on the banks of the Jabbok River. With Laban behind him and Esau in front of him, he was too spent to struggle any longer. Darkness descended. That's when his real struggle began. Fleeing his family history had been bad enough. Wrestling with God himself was a different matter altogether. That long and lonely night, an angelic stranger visited Jacob. They wrestled through the night until daybreak, at which point the stranger crippled Jacob with a blow to his hip that disabled him with a limp for the rest of his life. Jacob discerned what had happened, declaring in Genesis 32:30, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. When it was over, the deceiver, for such is the meaning of Jacob in Hebrew, received a new name, Israel, which means he struggles with God. Most important and paradoxical of all, at the conclusion of that riverbank struggle, we read in Genesis 32:29, God blessed him there. Yes, God blessed the deceiver who struggled in darkness, the man who lied to his blind father and swindled his brother. Our culture programs us to abhor weakness, failure, struggle, and doubt. 
Even though we know that a measure of vulnerability, fear, discouragement, and depression accompany most normal lives, we construe these as signs of failure or even a lack of faith. In real life, though, such naive optimism and rosary rhetoric are a recipe for disappointment and discouragement. For sooner or later, reality catches up with most of us. Jacob jerks us back to reality. Frederick Buechner characterizes Jacob's divine encounter at Jabok as, quote, the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. Similarly, in her book, Scarred by Struggle, Transformed by Hope, the Benedictine nun and writer Joan Chittister uses the Jacob story as a paradigm for a spirituality of struggle. In Jacob's story, she identifies eight elements of our human struggle. Change, isolation, darkness, fear, powerlessness, vulnerability, exhaustion, and scarring. But God doesn't leave us there, says Chittister. And in each human struggle, she finds a corresponding divine gift. Conversion, independence, faith. Courage, surrender, limitations, endurance, and transformation. Jacob does what all of us must do, writes Chittister, if in the end we too are to become true. He confronts in himself the things that are wounding him, admits his limitations, accepts his situation, rejoins the world, and moves on. In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, the elves of Lothlorien admit that they are losing their fair forest lands, but they battle on, characterizing their struggle as, quote, fighting the long defeat. In one of his letters, Tolkien describes our own human struggle using identical language, and I quote, I am a Christian, and indeed a Roman Catholic, so that I do not expect history to be anything but a long defeat, though it contains some samples or glimpses of final victory. Tolkien is probably the source of the comment made by the medical doctor Paul Farmer, who has fought what you might call a losing battle for health care for the poor. In Tracy's Kidder's marvelous biography of Farmer called Mountains Beyond Mountains, Paul Farmer says, I have fought the long defeat and brought other people on to fight the long defeat, and I'm not going to stop because we keep losing. Now, I actually think sometimes we may win. I don't, like, I don't dislike victory. We want to be on the winning team. But at the risk of turning our backs on the losers, no, it's not worth it. So you fight the long defeat. The end result of the nocturnal struggle for this greedy polygamous Jacob, the cheater and liar, was God's blessing. We read in Genesis 32, 29, God blessed Jacob there. When you read further in Jacob's story, these twin themes of dark struggles accompanied by divine blessing continue to be intertwined. 
His daughter Dinah was raped. His Two of his sons, Reuben and Judah, committed incest. As if to mimic his own parents who favored him over Esau, Jacob played favorites with his own son, Joseph, sowing seeds of fraternal enmity for all. And yet God renewed his covenant with Jacob. Genesis 35 verse 9 says, God appeared to him again and blessed him. Late in life, he reminisced in Genesis 48.3, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me. We may struggle with God through the darkness and experience defeat in the process, but by daybreak, he only intends to bless us. For further reflection, consider the book Mother Teresa, Come Be My Light, from the year 2007. Her correspondence documents her 50-year struggle with darkness and doubt, with the absence of God's presence. She writes, If I ever become a saint, I will surely be a saint of darkness. I will continually be absent from heaven to light the light of those in darkness on earth. Secondly, what has been your own experience of fighting the long defeat? Or consider Paul, who wrote that he was harassed at every turn, conflicts without, fears within. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. For books this week, I review a title called Angel of Death Row, My Life as a Death Penalty Defense Lawyer. The author is Andrea Leon. New York, Kaplan, 2010, 267 pages. Back in 1995, a feature article in the Chicago Tribune dubbed Andrea Lyon as the Angel of Death Row for her 14 years of service in the Cook County Public Defender's Office in Chicago, where she eventually became chief of the Homicide Task Force with responsibility for 22 attorneys. She describes herself differently, though, in this memoir. I see myself as a sometimes cranky warrior standing at the intersection of life and death, My foe was a criminal justice system that, despite common belief, gives enormous advantages to the persecution and stacks the cards according to wealth, race, and social custom. In a different passage, she's an unapologetic defender of accused killers in what she calls an archaeologist of social despair, unearthing layer by layer my client's descent into criminal jeopardy. Lyon has argued more than 130 homicide cases. In 19 cases, she defended clients who were guilty of capital murder, arguing that they should be spared the death penalty in favor of a lesser punishment. She won all 19 cases. In this book, chapter by chapter, she introduces us to people that society loves to hate and stereotype. 
Like Lonnie Fields, who murdered a judge and an attorney in a courtroom before 27 witnesses. Lincoln Freeman, whose murder conviction was overturned. A male prostitute named Russell Leland. And Annette Grimes, a mother wrongly accused of killing her own baby. Lyon defends these people with tenacity and passion. But she never romanticizes her clients, excuses their crimes, fudges the truth, or idealizes her work. But as a committed champion of the underdog and the outsider, she believes that, quote, every person amounts to more than the worst thing he or she has ever done. No one is ever beyond redemption or reconciliation. Lyon is also committed to fight the system that elevates politics and procedure over questions of guilt, innocence, and fairness. She grew up as a secular Jew, but her power for storytelling made me wonder if she had ever connected with her compelling call to defend the poor with her Hebrew heritage in Proverbs 31.8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. The author is Andrea Lyon. The title of the book, Angel of Death Row. For film this week, we go to the country of Burma. The title of the film, Burma VJ, Reporting from a Closed Country. Burma VJ, as in video journalist from the group called Democratic Voice of Burma, was nominated for an Oscar for its gripping documentation of the 2007 pro-democracy movement under the military dictatorship in Burma. The film is essentially an only slightly edited version of sometimes crude videos that were shot by very brave ordinary citizens then smuggled out of the country and uploaded to the entire internet world. A man named Joshua adds a running commentary, much of which describes his feelings of futility. The effect is to bring the viewer about as close to, to the violent street protests as he would ever want to get. Of special note are the thousands of Burmese monks who took to the streets in nonviolent marches, their begging bowls held upside down in symbolic defiance of any government help. Although the videos gone viral spread news about the unrest in Burma to the entire world, the film shows how the military might of the government has so far crushed popular opposition. And so this documentary delivers equal parts of inspiration and deep sadness. Yet another example of fighting the long defeat. The title of the film, Burma VJ, from the year 2008, The Country of Burma. And finally, for poetry this week, we've posted a popular poem or hymn by William Cowper. William Cowper lived from 1731 to 1800. He was a British poet and hymnist who struggled throughout his life with depression, doubts, and fears. 
The title of the poem is called God Moves in Mysterious Ways. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. William Cowper, God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, October 17th, 2010. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.